Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. You know, before I get started, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve uh, after you've listened to this episode. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, other tools just by going to referralcoach.com forward slash resources, referralcoach.com forward slash resources. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our free weekly tips and uh, where we'll be sharing best practices, ideas. We'll notify you of the next podcast. And while these are free, I think you'll find them quite valuable. So I have built and sold two businesses. With the first business, I was a sole stockholder and sold it for a fair amount of money. With the second business, I had a 50-50 partnership and sold it to escape a bad partnership and to let someone else take on the debt. So, you know, sometimes when you sell a business, you make some good money. Sometimes you just get out of a bad situation. Um, but I'm, I'm struck by a phenomenon that happens all too often. Uh, two people come together with some business ideas. They seem to get along okay. The dynamic creates you know, a lot of creative energy. Uh, may start with an idea sketched out on a napkin at a restaurant, which, by the way, literally was the idea for uh, the partnership I was in. A few weeks or maybe a few months later, they form a legal partnership. Business is born. And then and only then do they really start to get to know each other, how each person deals with with setbacks, with victories, with stress, with employees, with money, uh, you name it. And they eventually get to really know the other person. Uh, is, and it's not always pretty, right? Um, you know, when you get married, usually you date for a while and you get the, maybe even you live together for a little while and sin, you know, and all that, but uh, not so much with business partnerships. So that brings us to today's topic and our two wonderful guests. Uh, I was delivering a virtual presentation for a group And while waiting for my time to start, I listened to Karen Jesse and Neil Turner discuss how they came together as business partners and how they've been able to make it work. And so uh, a brief intro on each person, then we'll get going. Uh, Karen Jesse has been in business for 38 plus years. And by all measures in this business, Karen has been quite successful. Uh, Karen and I have at least one thing in common and that we both have a degree in sociology for whatever that's worth, although I actually have a master's in BS. Um, Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, (laughs) And although she resides in Colorado, uh, Karen does have a passion for the ocean, and I understand she escapes to the ocean as often as possible. Neil Turner has been in this business for 11 years. Neil has a degree in engineering, and all I can say is where would this world be without engineers? Um, he probably agrees to that. Uh, maybe secondary financial advisors to keep, you know, help those engineers keep all their money. But anyway, prior to becoming an advisor, he owned his own business. He was doing consulting to the automobile industry. Kind of cool. Um, Karen and Neil have now worked together for nine years. So if Neil's has been in this 11 years, he was two years when, when he came to work with Karen. Uh, Neil is a successor to Karen's business as she slowly slides into retirement. Uh, they run their firm, Strategic Wealth Partners, as a business, not as two solo producers doing joint work. 
so before I give everything away and you go on and on, uh, Karen, Jesse, Neil Turner, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Thanks so much, Bill, for having us. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, so Karen, I'm, I'm curious, what were the triggers, thoughts, feelings, events uh, that, that got you to start thinking about succession for your business? Well, for the first almost 30 years, I didn't think of it at all. It was me and my longtime assistant just going about it day to day and, and creating this practice. And then we started doing like real financial planning and financial planning that's a little bit uncommon in the industry. Um, we talk a lot about strategies that are different. Mm -hmm. And so as I would go through the process with new clients and show them what we're doing and the strategies that we're going to implement, inevitably towards the end, it would be, you know, this has been great, Karen, but what happens if you're not here? Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I kind of just shrugged it off. You know, I was younger and it was like, you know, nothing's going to happen. You know, that, that type of a mentality. And then I realized that, you know, who am I kidding? I'm in the, in the world of uh, protection and mitigating risk. And I could get hit by a bus and all the good work that we've done for the clients would go out the window without a plan. So I started thinking, you know, I, I need to have some open eyes and, and, and kind of build a path towards the future as to what that might look like for myself as well as for my clients. And, and from talking with you prior to this recording this interview, I know that a lot of it was about it was a client-centric decision, was it not? It wasn't just, what do you do? How do you retire? How do you move forward from this business? It really is making sure that your clients get handled well along the way. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's, it's always been client-centric. Um, this industry has evolved to a point where you, know, you don't, just don't retire and, and just go away. You, you could have maybe in the past, but today it's like that planning needs to continue beyond me. And so who, who do I have in place to help, help those guide those clients, you know, all the way to the end line? Yeah. So I'm curious, during the initial stages of this, uh, did you seek out counsel help from anyone? Did you talk to others who went down this path? Uh, mm -hmm. Did they share perspectives? I'm curious about that process. I did actually um, talk to a lot of people. I didn't feel I needed to reinvent the wheel if I didn't have to. But so many people told me, don't do it. It's people who have done it. Of course, those are the people who did it and didn't do it successfully. And then it, you know, hiring the attorneys and all the legal fees and all that, they're like, just if there's any way you can avoid doing this, don't you know, try to avoid it. I did talk to attorneys and they were, you know, the same thing. You know, they've never really seen this work out. And there's no blueprint out there that says, okay, here's the best way of doing this because you can have everything written down. But at the end of the day, it boils down to who your partner actually is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't start there, you know, a well laid path, you know, is going to go awry with the wrong person walking down it with you. So what was the alternative they suggested just an outright sale of the practice uh, as opposed to this slower succession plan? Yeah, it would be just, you know, in, in our business, the only thing, you know, we do a lot of uh, insurance work as well as an investment, investment work. And the only piece we can really sell is the investment 
piece of it. And so that would be the alt- the ultimate alternative would just be to sell it to somebody who doesn't even know who your clients are. Right. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't work uh, uh, yeah. for the clients or the advisors. Uh, uh, Neil, how did you meet Karen? What were you doing when you met her? What attracted you to the possibility of working with a more senior and very successful uh, advisor? Tell me about the beginnings there. I came into the business as a client first with a gentleman who used to work with client uh, Karen as a, as a mentor years before me. And so my conversations with him were along the lines of who's in this, in this business that's very successful already. And, and how do I talk to them? Because like Karen just said, I don't want to reinvent the wheel either. And I was starting a little bit later, so to speak in the business, having had another business. So I, I wanted to really kind of ramp up quickly and he introduced me to Karen and, well, told me who Karen was. And I walked down the hall to, to go meet her, uh, per se. And, and that's kind of how it all came together is a moment in time just to have a conversation. And then the funny part about that is she said, well, you're brand new. Why don't you come talk to me in a couple of years? Mm. Which is why my 11 years in the business didn't start out with Karen uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. Uh, there was a bit of time where I had to figure things out on my own. And Karen, tell me, tell me about that. Um, I mean, some advisors will bring in someone green to the business as a junior advisor for the possibility of succession. Uh, but you wanted Neil to get a little more experience under his belt. Tell me your thinking uh, on that. I mean, there's a, a lot of thoughts that come to mind there. One of it is, you know, but people come into this business and the failure rate is so high. Um, people think this is easy. You know, people are calling us just wanting financial planning, you know, advice. <laughs> and that we all know that's not the case. So, you know, I, I kind of wanted somebody who, you know, got their knees scuffed and their nose bloodied and still came back and could have a long-term vision, you know, and not just like have a bad week and they're, they're gone. Mm. I also needed somebody who, you know, could have some kind of a foundation underneath them as far as, you know, what this industry is like. I mean, a lot of people come into this, they're career changers. So they have no idea what this really is. They don't even know the verbiage, the acronyms, anything like that. So I wanted somebody who had a little bit of that knowledge. I It was just me. So I did not have the capacity to be able to be training somebody the way that they really needed to be trained and also run my practice at the same time. So um, Neil was able to get that through the agency system and through through the insurance companies that we work with. Makes sense. And and only two years and maybe you hadn't acquired too many bad habits yet. Uh, <laughs> no, you could break him of some of those. Uh, <laughs> right. To do it to do it your way. Right. So that kind of brings me to the next question, which is the big one that I alluded to a little earlier in my very long uh, introduction to this. And that is, as you get to know people, each other, uh, through the successes and the setbacks and all that. Um, uh, so I, I guess the question is for both of you, and you can decide who goes first. But uh, as you started getting serious about this partnership, I'm curious what you guys saw as the perceived risks, uh, as well as and concerns, as well as what got you excited. Um, Whoever wants to go first, what, what were you concerned about, worried about? What, you know, what was kind of the worst case scenario in your head? And, and what was the best case scenario, I guess? 
Well, I, one of the the way we started was we didn't start out as a partnership. I did. I didn't just bring Neil in. I mean, he really had no experience. It would be different, I think, if somebody came to me who had the experience in the industry. It would have been a whole different conversation. Um, he was brand new, so we were not forming a partnership right out of the gate because that's easy to do and very difficult to unwind. Mm-hmm. So it was us just doing all of our work together with our clients, so he could see how I work. And I could see how he works because at the end of the day, I mean, we have to hold the same values. I mean, we both had to be headed in the right direction and pulling our own weight. That wasn't necessarily true at the beginning. I mean, I was, I think I, you know, I I had to teach a lot. Um, And I also had the type of clients that we wanted to work with. So a lot of that was coming through me too. So I had to learn how to be very patient and, um, just patient with the process, knowing that this is going to take time. But if we both put in the hard work initially, you know, we'll be re- rewarded in the in the long term. And I think in any business, it's hard to keep that long term vision, and that's what you really need here. And I think that's what helped you know uh, keep us on the right path and and moving in the right direction. Hmm. Neil, how about add, from me? Yeah, please. I would add to that the communication is paramount mm-hmm. having open communication tough conversations honest conversations was the biggest thing that i think we probably found ourselves really struggling with maybe in the beginning and yet that's where the magic sort of happened over time and i would also add to that we really felt like we had a level of trust in one another as time went on it became greater and greater and that communication is what, what brought that trust to be. And of course, there were some challenges and some setbacks and some other things that occurred along the ways that really created more of a deeper connection, which I think all relationships could probably argue the, the, the difficult times is where really the, the, the relationship grows and develops. And we, through it all, as Karen said, had a longer vision as to how this is going to go. And so we dealt with whatever it was and communicated and kept each other accountable and here we are today in a, in a much better place all the way around than when we started. Was it, um, I mean, did you both, were you both able to come to the table with kind of, you feel it, say it, just let's get it out and done and talked with about as quickly as possible versus kind of stuffing it and seeing how things will go. Either one would be natural <laughs> or did it take a little while to, uh, kind of, you know, sit on a thought, an idea, feeling before you brought it forward. Just tell me a little bit about how that evolved, that interpersonal communication. Yeah, I would say that both. Mm-hmm. Karen was probably more prone to just say exactly what was on her mind and, and say it right to me. And mm-hmm. while that may be painful at times or challenging at times, I was also one to take all of that in and, and maybe sit on things for a minute, think about it, and then come back and have a conversation. And I think that really worked out well because I needed to hear certain things and they needed to be said. And then I also wanted to make sure that Karen had uh, my thoughts on the matter and, and a response. And, and that also helped us grow and figure out how to work around and work with each other in a more um, sort of effective and, and overall better way. Yeah. So putting myself in the shoes of uh, an advisor listening to this, you know, starting to think of this idea of succession or just has an interest in how it went. 
Can you, can either of you remember any of those difficult conversations, uh, th- that you're okay <laughs> sharing with the rest of the world? Any, anything somebody did or said with a client or a perspective that needed shifting, uh, to make things work, anything come to mind? Well, I mean, it does for me. It's, it's, you hate to, you don't want to just go and force yourself on somebody else. And this is the way we do it. Um, so it's, it's standing back a little bit and guiding and letting somebody do what they perceive to be the best thing and let them find out that it's not. So, Mm. um, for me and Neil, it was Neil, Neil comes from a yoga background and, um, he had this whole save the world mentality as many of us do when we come in. Um, that's my degree in sociology. Let's save the world. And Neil's came from yoga. And so he was bound and determined that he was going to work with yoga instructors and even did a yoga conference. And I just (laughs) sat back and said, okay. And um, he learned rather quickly. That's probably not the market he wants to be in. And while we still want to save the world, we can do it in different ways. So, (laughs) you know, you you can't just force yourself and, and all your processes and all that onto somebody. You have to kind of guide and teach and, and, and be a leader along the way. All all the wealthy uh, yoga teachers out there. uh, Right. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, I, one of my best friends, uh, wife is a yoga teacher, ran two very successful studios. So it's not Mm -hmm. like they don't exist. True. Um, But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, (laughs) And it doesn't mean that Neil, you can't still engage in yoga and, and all the good things that come from that. Right. Yeah. And I would also add to that, that I ended up in the first couple of years really kind of engaging with both the the instructors of the world and the practitioners of the world and a lot of the owners. So that kind of helped give me uh, some insights as to um, the business planning and so on that um, was yet to be developed on our team. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So a precursor to that. Yeah. So I know that one question, a lot of top advisors, folks who listen to this podcast ask us, how hard is it for an established advisor to bring someone in knowing that you'll be giving up a percentage of the revenue, right? Uh, people and Karen, uh, you know, you'd be giving up a percentage of the revenue to people that Neil hasn't even talked to yet, right? There's a, there's a kind of a leap of faith. There's a, a letting go, a financial letting go as well, right? Talk, talk about it. hopefully with the, you know, the, the promise of something better down the road, but talk, talk about that a little bit. How did that go for you? Well, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, it's, honestly, it's, it's not easy because when you're first bringing somebody on to work with you at the end of the day, honestly, it is still you who's doing most all of the work and wait, I've got to give up a percentage of every new client we bring in the door to somebody who's just learning. I, I I was challenged and I was challenged for a number of years, to be honest with you. But again, it's that long-term vision. And, you know, our practice is set up that it it truly is a business. Every new client that does come through this door, we um, it's a split, you know, on the investments and the insurance side, mm-hmm. uh, different splits depending on who's taking the lead. And there are now times where, you know, Neil's 
has the only interaction with new clients coming on. And, you know, I might do something behind the scenes or nothing at all. And now I get a, a piece of that case too. So I had to keep that vision. And also, we also split expenses. So as his revenue goes up, you know, and I, because I'm giving him some of my cases and things like that, or our cases that, you know, his income goes up. So, the, the uh, flow through to the bottom line is that he ends up paying a little bit more towards the expenses. So it's kind of like a, a cycle or a circle, but it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, the, it's a price you pay and it's the, the leap you take and the faith you have and the trust you have, and you just keep going, God, I hope I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> So, you know, this this is not in my list of questions I prepared to ask you, but, you know, you talked about how there wasn't a roadmap for this and every, all these people told you don't do it. And uh, I know what your next career is, right, is to help other people walk through this process, perhaps, right. or, or maybe you'll have enough of it. I don't know. Um, but you told me, I remember that, that at first you, you worked in the same office, but you kind of circled around each other, I think were your words. Uh so it, it, even though you started working together when Neil was about two years into the business or so, uh, you didn't really form the, par- the true partnership yet. So elaborate on that a little bit, either one. Yeah, well, I would I say I'll jump on that real quick. Just sure. the, the one thing that um, I found is, and that was maybe a source of frustration is, uh, an apprehensiveness to take that step to to partnership and language to use for that or conversations with clients or or mm-hmm. anybody else um, professional partners and and so on um, there was always a hesitancy and so it took some time and some effort and and I think a lot of trust and a lot of challenges and then that connection eventually became more clear that yeah, I think there is more of a partnership here. And so we did sort of work together, but as two different advisors, maybe sharing uh, the, the the team or the um, staff, or in that, at that time, it was more uh, one particular um, staff member. Uh, and and that was the, the real sort of way in which we started. And then finally came to the conclusion and agreement that we would be true partners and move forward. Hmm. Karen, you want to add to that? Oh, all I was going to say, we weren't circling around each other. Neil was circling around me. Um, <laughs> okay, it makes sense. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but but I, when he did finally have the guts to approach me, I, I did say to him, I said, well, of all the people that I that I see out there, you're, you're probably the only guy um, or, or gal, you're, you're the only person that I would invite you know, to come onto the team and partner with. Um, Mm. I think one of the things that we have found and studies have shown is some of the most successful partnerships are, you know, opposite sex partners, Mm. not female, female, or male, male. So there's a, there's certainly different perspectives that we bring to everything that we do um, from the male, female standpoint, as well as, I mean, he's an engineer, and I am so far from um, that we can drive each other crazy every once in a while. And, you know, but um, we always manage to come to the middle. Yeah, I call that a creative tension, right? So there's <laughs> it, it, usually a better decision gets uh, comes out of that eventually, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be a little, a little bit of friction along the way. 
So day to day, what that looks like, there was a great phrase or expression you told me is that you, you weren't doing or you're not doing joint work, you're doing teamwork. So do you have separate clients? Do you bring different expertise to each relationship? Do you sit on appointments with the same client? Just give, give us all a feel of what the day-to-day, I'm, it probably varies, I'm going to guess, but give us a feel for that if you don't mind. It does vary. And I think in the beginning, like I was saying just a minute ago, we, we, we did work separately. We did have my clients, Karen's clients. We didn't have strategic wealth partners clients. In fact, we didn't even have strategic wealth partners. <laughs> it, was, it was just two people working together. And now it's vastly different. Every client is the strategic wealth partner client. We work as a lead with certain clients, yet the whole team and each of us uh, as partners in this team are very well versed at what we're doing with our individual clients uh, that we're the lead with. And we work with certain clients together, uh, all of our business owner clients, it's, it's Karen and I working together. And then I would say I handle more of the personal planning clients these days, and Karen handles more of the retirement income planning clients. Do your clients know about this uh, structure in a sense of that, Neil, you are the successor to Karen. Karen, do they, have you talked to all your clients about it? Some of your clients about it? Yeah, I would say at this point, we have definitely spent a lot of time having those conversations with clients, making it known to more the the long standing clients that Karen has had for many, many, many years mm-hmm. as to what's going to happen and how this transition is going to go. And then any new clients that we bring to the table, that conversation is pretty easy to have up front. This is the team and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done a very sort of diligent job. And although it was challenging, we started a long time ago uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that clients were aware of uh, how the team was growing, developing, and who I was, and and meeting them as they came along, and continuing to meet them uh, as we move forward, just to develop the relationship and make sure that that transition, that handoff, is far more comfortable and warm than anything else. You know, as someone who has been handed off from one advisor retiring to another. Uh, and I would say the handoff wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't even really know that this guy was taking over. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can I can appreciate what you're doing and and how hopefully most of your clients appreciate it as well because uh, it's not always done that way. Uh, now, luckily, I really like the guy I got handed off to, and so it worked out. Uh, you know, in a minute, I want to talk to you guys about your decision, a little bit about your decision-making process, what that looks like in your partnership. And I also want to talk to you about how the succession planning that you've done now helps you attract more of, of your right fit clients, business owners who may at some point want to do their own succession planning. But first, here's a quick word from our great sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Tired of chasing potential clients? We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more. By the way, if you're thinking about pursuing a target market and finding ways to create more relevant and effective messaging for your business, 
I invite you to check out my book, Radical Relevance. The subtitle of the book really says it all. Sharpen your marketing message, cut through the noise, and win more ideal clients. And it's all about the strategic marketing and relevance decisions you need to make, as well as very tactical things of how you talk about your business, what makes you different, et cetera. So just go to RadicalRelevanceBook.com. That's RadicalRelevanceBook.com. I'm back with Karen, Jesse, and Neil Turner talking about their business succession process. Karen, Neil, talk to me about the decision-making process. Do you need to agree on all decisions uh, that are made in running the business? The does one of you uh, have final say, if you will, at this point? Uh, what is that looking like? I think that we, um, we, we bring most all decisions to the table for both of us and, and even beyond both of us. I mean, we, we are a team of five, and, and sometimes it's important to bring everybody to the table when making a decision because everybody has a different perspective. They have a different role um, in the organization. So I, we don't have any one here who that's like my way or the highway. So yeah, I, I like to think it's very collaborative so we can hear all sides of, of, mm. of an idea before we make a decision. Good, good, good. It wasn't always that way. <laughs> it was, Tell me more. I would say in the, <laughs> in the beginning, and I think this is pertinent for those you know uh, that are listening in is there is going to be someone like Karen, that is the lead that is paying a lot of the bills maybe, or, or bringing a lot more revenue to the table. And I knew that, and I was aware of that. And I understood that she would have more of the final say mm -hmm. because she deserved that. And I trusted her and respected her too. And yet I also knew that if I had something to say about a decision, I could voice that to her because we had that communication and that trust. And she would take that into consideration and whether she changed her decision or not uh, wasn't the point. It was that she was open to hearing what I had to say. And I think, again, that has allowed us to be the team that we are because I recognized who she was and she recognized where I was at mm -hmm. and we could talk about it and it would be a respected outcome. Yeah, that's great. You know, keep saying the word trust, and that really is the is the grease, the whatever you want to call it, uh, that makes the relationship work. You know, um, none of us would be successful without support staff. So I'm curious how your staff has managed this, uh, maybe even supported it, helped you guys. Uh, talk about that a little bit. We use a business planning uh, software and, and program called EOS. And one of the things that they have uh, kind of in their training and their, their way of going about getting set up is, is having the right people in the right seats. And we would argue that that is exactly what we have with our team, the right people in the right seats doing exactly what they're supposed to do and given the, the trust and the confidence to do what they're supposed to do so that we're not there over their shoulder managing, micromanaging and so on. Mm. And like Karen said, we have a team of five, one of which has been with Karen, uh, Melissa for 25 plus years now. And she's our director of operations and does a lot of the marketing more than anything these days, which she's accelerating um, in and our business is accelerating, I think, because of a lot of that marketing. Then we also have our client specialist, Nisha, who is, is excellent with all things related to the client and a lot of the back end work that we need, the clients need, and so on. 
And then we have a director of investments, uh, Joey, who's, who's excellent in every facet of his role and developing that even further out beyond our expectations. So we're really fortunate to have these three great people on our team. And of course, we're looking to build out our advisory team as well to, to grow the sort of sales team uh, within our firm. And, Karen, and another thing I would add, Bill, would be, um, I hate that phrase, support staff. Staff. Um, <laughs> that's not how we look at anybody who's working with us because that's what they're doing. They're working with us. They're partners. They're part of the team. Um, and, and they have to be part of the team from day one. This is not just a job. It's, you know, people thinking, uh, how can we be better? What can we do to elevate the client experience? How do we, you know, bring the team together? So everybody's moving in the right direction and nobody's just punching a clock. No, that's great. I, I stand corrected uh, <laughs> uh, sitting, but I sit corrected. Um, <laughs> well, I did have the pleasure of interacting with Melissa a little bit on our first call and then a little bit with email. And uh, I, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but it's, she's kind of the, I was going to say mother hen in the sense of uh, just, she wants to make sure you guys are, are taken care of, right? And everything is taken care of and, and that the details are handled and, and all that, right? Uh, yeah, so she, you found the gem in her, yes? Yeah, she's yes. the glue and she always wants us to look our best, be our best and you know, put our best foot forward. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, we all need folks like that. I mm-hmm. I have a staff member, a staff member, a team member, sorry, <laughs> that is no longer with me. But when I hired her, I said, look, I I need you to be my mother hen. I need you to pay attention, bug me, make sure I know where I'm going, you know, whatever. Just you can't over bug me to make sure things are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to shift the angle a little bit, uh, slightly. Uh, so you work uh, a lot with business owners uh, and you help them with their succession planning. Big surprise. Right? Makes sense. Uh, did this come before you started your own succession planning or is your target um, uh, client an outgrowth of the work that you've done on your own business? Uh, speaking of mother hens, you know, which is the chicken and which is the egg here uh, in terms of who you're trying to attract and the work you've done? Well, I think I think we've I've always worked with business owners in the past, um, but now it's it's much more of a focus, and we have much more conviction and and relatability. I mean, we can now say to a client, "Listen, we've done this. We know this is not easy. It's hard, and there's a lot of hard." conversations, but at the end of the day, you'll be really happy and we're here to guide you. I mean, we have a little mantra, your business is our business when we're talking to business owners. Mm. So this is not this is something we focus on. It's not like, oh, we stumbled over a business owner. Yeah, sure we can help you. We but this is something we do every day. I I get the feeling that since you've gone through succession planning, anytime you're with a, a business owner who is contemplating that at whatever stage they may be, you guys are really more than just financial advisors. You're, you're, you're business consultants, right? Mm-hmm. You have the financial bent. Obviously, that's the focus. That's what kind of brings it all together. But you've become business consultants. Uh, speak to that a little bit. I would say that's pretty accurate. We find ourselves probably educating clients to that degree because there's a certain idea that they would come to the table with that uh, anybody with our title, financial advisor, financial planner, investment advisor, wealth manager, we're just going to talk about investments primarily. 
And while there is investments involved in the planning that we do, the business planning that we do really has nothing to do with investments during the planning phase. Mm. It's a lot more strategizing, uh, developing plans that have those strategies built in. And the tool that we use primarily is going to be insurance. And that's where we're specialists. And a lot of the work that we, we end up doing is consulting with the business owners on how to ensure that they can protect their business, grow their business, retain all of those key people that help them grow their business, and then ultimately sell the business on the terms that are best for them and their family. And at that point, there may be a a large sum, if we do our job right and uh, everybody wins, uh, that could be invested. But um, the the bulk of our work is consulting with our business owners. Mm. That's great. Karen, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with Neil. We've, we've come up with the term, not the term, but we, we, we hold ourselves out as kind of the architects. We can't, we can't, and we don't do everything, but we know the process. We know the steps. We know the players that need to be brought to the table. Some of them could be the business owners, current advisors, um, but their CPA may never have sold a business before. So we might have to bring in a different CPA and the same with an attorney. So we come in with a very holistic approach, um, you know, where most other advisors, it's like, okay, let's fund the buy-sell agreement or, you know, let me, let me handle the millions of dollars you're going to have um, when you re- retire and then we can help you invest it. But we help them figure how much money they need. You know, if this is their, their end game and now this is going to be retirement, what do you have? What do you need this business to sell for? Because everybody will tell you how much they think their business is worth. And it's always a gross number. It's never a net of taxes and, every, and everybody else's fees. So it's really like getting in the weeds with them and you know, doing a lot of work where we're not necessarily compensated, but you know, that's what we do is we make sure we cover all the bases you know, to help the client have the most successful transition of that business, which typically is their biggest financial asset. So, you know, it's putting together all of those pieces for our clients and that's where they really appreciate us. And I would think that is, that's your differentiator, right? When you come to prospects, uh, maybe people who are interviewing more than one potential Mm -hmm. firm, uh, that's probably the distinguishing factor, is it not? Certainly that and making sure the business planning dovetails right into their personal planning and everything's coordinated on both fronts. Yeah, because- Depending on the business, their personal and their business, they're not so separate, right? Maybe they're mm-hmm. a separate legal entity, but right. they often see it as the same, don't they? Mm-hmm. So Certainly one affects the other. Yeah, without question. Mm-hmm. Well, my guests today have been Karen Jesse and Neil Turner, uh, partners with Strategic Wealth Partners based in Greenwood Village, Colorado. I want to thank both of you for being on Top Advisor Podcast. This has been a, a great interview. Thank, Thank you, Bill. Look at teamwork. They just answered in tandem. I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you haven't already had, uh, haven't done so, head over to uh, referralcoach.com forward slash resources, referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Sign up for our weekly tips, free guides, scripts. You'll be notified of the next podcast or really subscribe to the podcast. And then you'll definitely uh, know when we have our next interview. And this is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. It's only acting on those ideas that will bring you the success that you desire. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast. 
brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.